seconds to go. Jaron dribbles into the front court, drives to the bucket, his shot, no good, put back up and in by Trayvon Scott. Cincinnati by one, Rose from half court, his yeah! shot is no good. John... The snap, the put down, the swing of the leg, it is on its way, it is good! Cincinnati wins the American Championship. Here comes Bosa. Here comes the quarterback, Burrow. Looking for a block, and he got it up on the front by Hopkins into the end zone. Touchdown! What a skipper! Called his own number and streaks for 23 for a touchdown for Cincinnati. Welcome back. Man, it has been a week. And I'm not talking about Cincinnati basketball. I am finally talking about your Cincinnati Reds. Would you say you're optimistic? Jeffrey, here is what I'm here to tell you. First and foremost, I did want to let all the listeners know we are running without edward tonight for the first time ever so if this ends up being a train wreck of a show we do apologize however i am confident that it is not going to be that why because our cincinnati reds are sitting number one in the division number one in major league baseball number one in runs scored number one in the runs above the other team's runs scored like Run differential. That that's what that's for? that's that's a scientific term for it. I like to put it in layman's terms. It's fine. It's it's been a just completely insane ride. Have they scored less than ten yet in a game? The first game. The first game. The first game. The first game. Um so take me back to your opening day experience and then how things have transpired in a uh, we'll, we'll go kind of just a a brief game by game synopsis as this has been incredible they they did score less than 10 twice they beat the game the second game of the season they scored 9 and then the first game that they beat Pittsburgh they scored 5 all right so but other than that it felt like they scored 100 runs already other than that it's been football scores <laughs> 14, 12. I mean, well, like I said, let's go back to opening day. And you have a the coldest day ever for opening day. Uh, I'm talking up, in, in Cincinnati anyway. Absolutely. And so you've got, you, know, you think you're going to run out your best pitcher that you've got available right now. Who, mind you, is Latino, where it doesn't get cold where he's from. <laughs> Yeah, you run him out there, and you think, it, and I mean, say what you want about about him. I mean, he has his hot and cold times of the year, and it was cold, and super cold. He he threw a bunch. I saw like a statistic after his last start um, the other day against the the Pirates that he that first start he was like throwing a bunch of sliders. Nothing that he was throwing was fooling anybody at well, opening day, and, and I don't you, think he could. I don't think he could get any movement on it. It was so cold. I mean. The, 
that was what I was going to bring up is you played yeah. baseball in high school. So you have a little bit of an idea of how grip works to, you know, get that snap and get the ball to break, whether you want it to be a curveball, whether you want it to be a slider. Uh, so what is that like throwing in, in, you know, just a, a normal, like 70 degree day, you know, as opposed to a hot day, as opposed to a cold day? Well, I mean, you just, you're not going to get any of the movement that you want to be able to get. Like you, you got to be able to feel your fingertips. Right? <laughs> and I, I mean, it was snowing that day. It, flurries, hard flurries. Right. And I mean, obviously like the Reds and the, the Cardinals weren't the only teams dealing with it. I mean, you, you had folks hitting home runs and blizzards and not knowing if it was a fly out or not, uh, stopping at second base. Uh, <laughs> but I just chalked that one up to be honest with you. And and if you look, if you look Sound at like Red, he did too. Uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of people did. If you look at Red's Twitter from that day, and obviously it's opening day, um, it's still not like the same kind of fanfare and the things that we're used to here in Cincinnati. Obviously we got cheated out of it last year. I feel bad for guys that were on the team last year that didn't that are no longer on the team that didn't get to experience what a true opening day is like in Cincinnati. Uh, sure. Trevor Bauer. Um, but sweet jersey. So, anyway, back, back to that. It, it's just you, you've got all these guys on Twitter that were like, This is the, this is the reason. This is the same. And, and uh, look, you know, Suarez boots a ball here and there, and I'm like, Oh, maybe we should have gone. <laughs> Short the Jeffemist came out. Uh, it did for a minute, but then. You know, I went back and I thought about our show last week, and I was like, I'm going to be an optimist here. Uh, Did it hurt? No, it didn't. It made me feel good because I was able to look at it and say, look, this is the first game of the season. Um, The last couple times that they've won on opening day and everybody has been high on life, they've ended up like 5-20 and and like 5-14. and You know, before there was some crazy stat about like, how many games they played before they got their fifth win the last few seasons. And it was like, I don't even want to see it. No, it's a horrible stat. It's like, they were like five and 25 and 14. I think one, they were like five and eight was like the closest they were to 500 when they got their fifth win. And then this year they're five and one driver's seat. I don't care if you play the pirates. I don't care if you're playing a triple a team, a double a team. I don't care if you have success in major league baseball. You've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, the teams that aren't good. You have to beat them and then split with everybody else. So, and again, I want to go back to opening day because on opening day, Nick Castellanos hits a bomb. <clears throat> An absolute kiss missile. He just hits a bomb. And clearly, the way that he watched it, the way that he through his bat, even though we want to let the kids play, let the kids play. That's what the MLB slogan has been on commercials. It's been on all over the place. They want that to be their slogan this year. And you're getting fans back in the stands and people are getting hyped. They're getting to actually be there to experience the bat flips. The players are getting to experience the energy from the fans for the first time for some of these guys who have been up here for not just this season, but also last season, like for a rookie last year, this could be the first time they've been in an MLB ballpark as a player and getting that fanfare. So, you know, 
Cassianos has talked about it in some of the post games that it's good to have fans back and all that. So he played up to it through that bet. And then we saw in game two, which might honestly, I really hope we go back and look at the turning point of this season as game two of the year. When uh, absolutely. So Cassianos gets hit and he talked about it in his post game presser. He wore 93 on the ribs. And it doesn't feel good. No, hell no. Let me tell you this. I don't know. You know, I'm co- I'm coaching my eight year old's baseball team, mm-hmm. right? And there's a couple kids on the team that can hit the ball hard for an eight year old, and I have to stand kind of close when I'm throwing BP, right? I'm not the most accurate at this point at th- when I'm throwing like 200 pitches or something crazy trying to get right. these kids. Yeah, you know, sometimes, and I've worn a couple off of their metal bats, which I know it aren't coming back at me at ninety three miles an hour. It's an eight year old hitting it. It's probably like fifty miles an hour, maybe. And it, it still doesn't feel good. Yeah, I was gonna say it still doesn't feel I, good. I don't want anything like, I you know I might have to charge the plate on an eight year old. If I'm playing professional baseball and a guy hits me in the ribs ninety three, no thank you. Well, and let's be all the way real. Before we even get to what happened at the plate, when are we going to talk about this unwritten rule of baseball where if you show show up a pitcher that it's okay to hit them the next time that they're up around or maybe even wait till the next game, but we know it was retaliatory, right? Like I don't think that that's just us playing devil's advocate and no, saying, I mean, what, well, it might was, be what was what what was the score when Cassianos hit the, here? I'll pull it up right here. I'm not sure off the top of my head. In the meantime, I'll filibuster for you while you're looking it up. But yeah. you know, I mean, so you got a guy who's you, know, you you keep telling the guys, let the kids play. Here we are playing, and now it's okay to brew somebody with a a, a projectile. Okay. So it was the bottom of the third and. Uh, that got one out. The, that that got the Reds back into uh, back into slam range. So it was seven to three. Okay. So he's trying to get his guys hyped up. He's still got two thirds of the game left. Yeah. Right. You just hit a bomb, an absolute bomb. And with, and never mind the fact that it's like thirty degrees outside. So if he hits that ball in the middle of Cincinnati summer at Great American Ballpark, we're probably going over to get that off the top of the Cyclones. Well, this was game two when this happened, though, correct? No, no, no. I'm talking about his initial bat flip. Home run? Okay, the first first bat flip. So, so, and if I'm watching this, the the highlight correctly, I mean, I don't want want the sound going over. He's not even, he looks up. He looks up at the ball going out, mm-hmm. and then kind of turns a little bit back, not even really at the pitcher. So, I think it was just what, like what the, the, the the heave of the bat. It's game one. The even, the, the, pit- the skip. It was the, that was the skip. That, that was, was the, the skip. He, that was the the couple the couple little skips. But he doesn't even look at the pitcher. He watches the ball. And and then he hypes up, hypes up the dugout. And I still go back to, if you don't want to be shown up, 
pitch better. Pitch better. Right? Like you left it. Uh, it looked, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was a hanging breaking ball. And he jumped yeah. all over it. I mean, I, I don't know that I don't know that you could throw a two hundred mile an hour pitch by Castellanos right now. So he's seeing the ball really uh, well. I mean, there's another guy on the team seeing the ball really well too. So we're gonna get so to the all of that. that. We'll get to all of that. So <laughs> fast forward to game two, and so he gets painted in the side. Takes it. Yep. Right. And he offers the ball back. So what are we looking at here? So we're looking at two outs, right? Mm-hmm. There was two outs and nobody on base. And so Cassianos gets on first. So so when when do we know as perfect, intelligent baseball fans? Perfect time to hit when somebody. Is the perfect time to drill somebody if you're going to do it. No one's on base. There's two no outs. On base, two outs. Huh. Weird. And you hit somebody in the ribs? So, I mean, at least he didn't throw at his head. He offers the ball back as a smart ass will do. That's no, he, he saw the ball and he thought to himself, I've heard his explanation. We all know. Just going to give it back. We all know that that was condescending as shit. And I'm here for it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Joey Votto's done stuff similar before in the past as well. I've seen Joey do the same thing. Fine. I'm good with it. It's again like I've fallen in love with this team harder than I was ever in love with last year's team. Like already. And it has everything to do with Castellanos. So he ends up getting hit around a third. Uh yeah, I mean he he was on his high horse getting around a third on I believe it was a Joey Votto single. Yes. Well and and I've I've heard in the broadcast that they say that they've worked on base running drills all spring. And so it's we've seen evidence of that as they're not making the base running blunders that we've seen. Like they're making very smart base running moves for the first time in maybe a decade. Like oh, not even kidding. Been, it's probably been <laughs> I mean, that. not it's even been, kidding. It's been a long they have time. Been atrocious on the base paths, and I. Th- but then and I know that this is stuff that's kind of like going to go aside. But. You've got these. You got them up at the plate, and no, it doesn't appear that every person that comes up to the plate is trying to hit the ball seven hundred feet. No, 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 no. They're just trying to hit the ball, and they're aiming it in holes. They're beating the shift. They're hitting. Yeah, they're hitting nice singles, playing some small ball. I mean, moving, getting them on, getting them over, and getting them in. And that's what happened with Cassianos. He goes from first to third, and then the wild pitch. And on that wild pitch, Castellano bolts for home. And when he bolts for home, let it not be lost the way that the pitcher came down on him. Like oh, he, go, I mean, he, going he, in he, with going in with two knees at Castellano he, is how he went. Because at this point, he's he's receiving the ball to try and tag the tag Castellano out. So he's 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 just trying to block the plate. Which you can't do either. Yes, you can. If you're receiving the ball, you can 100%. If you're receiving the ball to tag him out at the same time, you can block the plate. Are you sure with the you new can. rules you can block the plate? You can't, like, preemptively block the plate. Okay. So what a catcher would normally be doing five right. years ago. Right. All right. So anyway, he goes in both knees, lands on Castellanos. And Castellanos is safe. He is safe. And he gets up, and he flexes on him. Why? Because he was stronger than him that day. He wore 93 on the ribs, went around, scored without a dinger. Gets up, gives the little flex, maybe a little LFG, 
LFG. Then, that's fine. And then turns to walk off. And Yadier Molina wanted none of it. Grabs him by his, 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 his... I won't even say it was necessarily his neck. Like I, I mean, it wasn't a full, like, like Simba neck grab. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, he, so he, he kind of just grabbed his collarbone. Shoulder collarbone yeah. region. But if you, the picture of it, there's his trap. There, there, there is a there's a good grip. It, I, it, it was it, a, it, wasn't it was like a firm a grip. It wasn't a tap on the back. No, no. Um, it wasn't like it wasn't. Ex- excuse me, sir. Right? Yeah. This isn't. This isn't <laughs> like. Uh, can I have some gray poupon? This is not. <laughs> it's not that. This was like, hey guy, turn around. I got some words for you. And in the middle of that, Yadi also. Maybe gives a little, little, little shade action to the uh, umpire as he's trying to go through the umpire to get to Cassiano. Yeah, he didn't. He acted as if the umpire wasn't even there. Like, and I thought, I thought when you, if you bump an umpire, I didn't, I didn't think you could so much as accidentally. So. I didn't think you could so much as accidentally even gleek on an umpire while while speaking to them. That's a solid term, uh, but you can't do that either. So here we are with. Future Hall of Famer, unfortunately. I, I'm not necessarily here for it, but everybody says it's so. Okay, I'll concede. He's, he's been, been with around the, for a long time. He, he's, I mean, so he's a compiler, and, and that's and, fine. And he was he was pretty – I mean, he's had a hole in his glove here for – He's also been a, he's also been a Reds killer, even in this yeah, series. So he I continued. I, I, can't, I can't like him. Continued but. to get RBIs against the Reds throughout the series. In any case. Yeah, you have Yachty doing that, and then Cassianos turns around, and everybody's real mad that Cassianos let the rest of his bench do the talking for him while he sat behind an umpire with his arms behind his back. Well, that's because if he does anything else, he's going to get suspended. So instead, he, he still gets suspended. Right. <laughs> kept his hands behind. Kept his kept his hands behind his back. Yeah, had a conversation with Molina that he said, and the umpire. That- that he said rightfully so, he's going to keep between himself and Molina, which is fine. Perfect. Nobody needs, nobody needs to know what that conversation was. That's fine. So I love the this. I love the quote though. I I love the quote though. He could punch me in the face. I'm still going to ask him for a signed jersey. Right. And that I mean, <laughs> called him right. OG. Have Yo. So you've got that. Everything like happens. There's like there. It was all like calmed down. There was no punches thrown. There was no like anything really going on no people were calling it do about nothing i mean john boy did a breakdown of it that i mean essentially said that, that was much. funny i mean john boy always does a good job on his love breakdowns. john boy uh, but people were calling it a brawl there was yeah. no brawl it, i would i mean uh, it, if you want to see a brawl, a go skirmish back to when, go back, not even a skirmish if you want to see a brawl go back to when brandon phillips tapped molina on the shin guards that was a brawl well, and and like the last time, you know, last season with the with the Pirates, I think you could call when uh, when Amir Garrett went in there. I think you could label that one a brouhaha, or even, yeah, okay, you beat a, me because I can't come up with a better one than brouhaha. A kerfuffle? <laughs> I, I wouldn't go to kerfuffle. I wouldn't. I That's wouldn't higher go, on the scale. I wouldn't be caught in public using the word kerfuffle. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and even when Puig, when when Puig was in the oh, that the was bat, on the verge of Armageddon. 
the battle of himself versus the pirates <laughs> with, the with entirety. Tu- with Tucker hanging right, onto his ankle. Right. So you've got that stuff. Like those things that happen, you can call it. this was like a bunch of guys that came out of the dugout to like yell. You, you won't even let me call it a skirmish. No. It was like a loud disagreement at the very best. I mean, the only contact, literally like the, the only contact between players was Molina grabbing him on his trap. Well, so you were, decided. You, you were and a then, bouncer. This is like your typical bar fight, right? And then, yeah. And then you've got, <laughs> and then you've got like whatever happened with Suarez in the outfield. I don't know, like some like dude from the Cardinals bullpen got offended at something. And then like, you used to have silver hair. You don't have silver hair no more. It was who knows what it was. There's something <laughs> out there with that, um, and then it calmed back down. The game went on, and like whatever. And then the next day, we find out that he's. Or I, I don't think it was the next day. It was like two days later. We find out that he's being suspended for two games. Which I'm not even sure that his ejection from that game was warranted. It wasn't, and he said he said it himself. He said like. Bell came over and was like, hey, uh, you got run up. And he was like, for what? And he was like, they didn't give me a reason. You you run up, but don't don't go back out there and give them any reason to give you more games. And Bell and he knows like, because he's done that before. Right. So <laughs> Castellanos, again, who has literally done nothing more than be like, Just oh, eats it. Go. Just eats like, it. Um, like emotion, like passion for the game, excitement. And they're like, uh-uh. You're going to the locker room, buddy. And so, and he does. He just got he got his stuff. It, that was literally the calmest ejection I have ever witnessed in Major League Baseball in my entire life. Let the kids play. Let the, let the kids play, though. So he gets ejected. Okay. He's gone. Whatever. The Reds go on to win. You know they didn't they didn't get to double digit runs that game. But that was the first win of the year. Yeah, some excitement. You know it. It kind of ignited them a little bit, you know, and that's fine. I'm here for that. I don't, mm-hmm. he, sh- he should not have been ejected. Uh, he certainly should not have been suspended, which he appealed. Well, and I he haven't, did heard anything, haven't heard anything back on that yet. Um, I would assume that he is probably going to win it. Um, Cause there's nothing, no ground to stand on at all. It, I mean, that, it's an unscrupulous suspension. It is the weakest suspension I have ever seen. It was the weakest ejection that coupled with the weakest suspension. With then and then they doubled down on it. And and all you did was give an undisclosed fine to the other players, including Yadier Molina, who had physical contact with an umpire. Let that not be forgotten. I, I mean also, if he doesn't put his hands on on Cassianos, I don't even know that the bench is clear. They don't. You got the, is walking away. I he understand that you got back. you got He's the pitcher. Done. You got the pitcher sitting there, deer in the headlights. Look, can't even believe what just happened because a he's a rookie. B he has no clue what's even happening because he's not prepared for that moment at all to just be completely humiliated at the other team's stadium in that fashion after you after you plunked him. Let me tell you, there are very few people that want anything to do with Nick Castellanos. 
That pitcher sure wasn't and one of that them. That pitcher's not one of them. No. <laughs> I am imagining that there were a lot of thoughts that went through his mind as Castellanos stood over him and flexed. And not one of, one them, of was, them. One of them was probably, man, I probably shouldn't have hit him in the ribs. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you go for like, because Cassianos wears a lot of guards up there. He wears the shin guard. He wears the elbow guard. He's. I mean, it. He looks like a like a, a cyborg taking off all of his all of his armor when he gets to you know first second base on a double whatever, and he's taking off all of his stuff to to run the bases properly. And then, so that you've got that, and then you've got. What happened in the in the Cubs game? I think it was Cubs Brewers. Is that who it was with um, Contreras? I believe yes, yes it was. So he he takes one. He essentially starts charging the mound, pointing and screaming, pointing at pitcher, pointing at the pitcher, which is far more aggressive than what Cassianos did. Bench is clear. Bench is clear. I don't think he even get, did. He even get ejected. He didn't. Get no, ejected. no. He, he was no, no. first base. He's a cub. He's a cub. And I, mean, I didn't even know about that happening, except for uh, one of my new favorite Twitter follows is uh, Nick Cassiano's mom. Yep, she's fun. She uh, she tells it like it is. She's like, look, you know, I like the cups, but if we're going to... Call a spade a spade. Right, call a spade a spade. Maybe let's apply them the same to way everyone. everywhere. Uh, but I mean, we all know what it is. Like they, you know, they want to try and make this example out of Cassianos here and whatever. Uh, but it, if it, you're setting an example, it's supposed to set an example that okay, we're going to suspend everybody who does this. And instead of setting an example, you shit the bed. I mean, Major League Baseball has made some silly decisions as of late, anyway, but. We'll just add that on top of the pile. Hopefully, his. Uh, I mean, I think myself not even having a uh, any type of you know law degree um, or any kind of you know mediation experience. I think I could go in and say, "Look, here's a picture of Castellanos walking away. Maybe even maybe even the picture of him flexing. Here's a picture of your boy Yachty grabbing him by the trap slash neck." <laughs> um, undisclosed fine ejection two game suspension what are we doing well, there's no don't, defense don't don't forget the fact that if you get suspended I believe you, you don't get paid for those games I think you forfeit your salary so for what so, for, for being passionate about scoring a run and, then, and I saw, I and saw some best. people I saw some people try and discredit the fact that other people were comparing it to scoring a touchdown in football. Well, here's the thing. You can't discredit that. It's literally the same. You're going to score in a baseball game as an individual player about as much as you're going to score as an offensive player on a football team. Yeah. Maybe maybe once, possibly so twice a game. When you cross the plate, it's only worth one run, and when you score, it's worth six points, so like, the, you get to celebrate more. Like, well, I, I, it's, it's about the same. Not to um, mention... There's a lot of financial bonuses that usually run around with how many times you score. With, with statistics, you know, if you lead the, I mean, 
you lead the league in those things, like maybe there are some things written in your contract. Also, let's not forget Cassianos also has an opt out in his contract again at the end of this year, so he does have some potential leverage that leverage, he's working sure. on here. Mm-hmm. If he has a great season and he looks at the Reds and says, I'm going to opt out if you don't maybe give me a little bit more money. Maybe they have to rework his contract. Or he leaves and makes a payday somewhere else. So be it. hindering I mean, that by suspending him for games. Well, and for what? For flexing? Silliness. But we don't uh, you know, have to put our all, all our faith in Major League Baseball and their decision-making. So then we have game three against the Pirates, and we take the series against the Pirates. Cardinals. I'm sorry, Cardinals. Cardinals. We take the series against the Cardinals, and we never take a series against the Cardinals. 12 to 1. 12 to 1. It was uh, taking them behind the proverbial woodshed. (laughs) A good old woodshed taking always gets me. (laughs) Took them. Took them. Took him out back. It was like good, uh, good rear end whooping there. I don't want to use any other language. Go with that. So, you know, it was, and that that was who was on the hill that day. It was, uh, oh, I'm looking it up too. Jeff Hoffman. Yes, thank you. It was Hoffman. And everyone was worried about Hoffman. Everyone was worried about Hoffman. Everyone was worried about Wade Miley. Everyone was worried about uh, Jose Jose De Leon. So all of a sudden you have your three, four, five guys getting not just wins, big wins. And they and it wasn't it wasn't that a lot of things are getting lost in the fact that the Reds are scoring a lot of runs right now, right? But look at the other side of the scoreboards. That's what I'm saying. Look over at what the pitchers are doing because they're doing their job too. I mean, the only yeah, game we got so, blasted was game one where the Cardinals right. scored 11. And then they scored six in the, the Cardinals scored six in the next game. And, and since then, the only big amount of runs that have been given up. And that was with Tyler Malley on the hill. The only so, other the only other big runs that have been given up came on Amir Garrett's grand slam. Yeah, and, and actually the game where the I mean Tyler Malley only gave up two runs. And then the bullpen gave up the other four. So And we are playing without our number two starter in Sonny Gray. I would say one A and one B. For being honest, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, towards the end of the and, season last year, he was he was definitely a stronger candidate to be your your ace than Castillo, who kind of fell off towards the uh, the end of the season. And you uh, Molly and and then you got you also have to remember Lorenzen. Yeah, Lorenzen's not out there. So you have guys that are they're playing for spots. Let's not kid ourselves. Like we know I what mean, they're doing. A lot of people are playing for their spots. I mean, look at the outfield. That's, I was going to say, that's not even bringing up the outfielders. But if we're that's... talking about just the pitching right now, like, who who do you, who are you getting rid of between Hoffman and... I mean, obviously, you're, you're a week into the season here, or six I understand, years. and... Yeah, no. Uh, it's certainly an overreaction to be like, oh, these guys no, are all-stars. it's not. It is all not stars. an overreaction, because he, here's the thing. 
is we are so used to things being awful all the time here. It's just like looking at it. I mean, I tweeted on opening day and was like, oh, I guess the sky's already falling. And I got beat up about it. Like, oh, it, it is like, this is just what the sky's already fallen and it's crashed into a million pieces. It's been like this for 10 years. We're awful. I'm like, I like how your bully voice is grating and deeper. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's what it feels like. It's like, you look, I don't, I'm as critical as they come on a lot of things. I am optimistic about the Reds. I said that last week. Uh, I've, you were I highest said it. out of everyone. You were said, highest. I, I even said on opening day, I know I tweet, or texted you, in our group. You got to start training for conies. Start training for conies. Like, I was like, you know, the world is ending. And then I was like, no, no, it's one game out of 162. Let's see what they've got. Because they're hitting the ball hard. And they scored a lot of, I mean, six. They runs, still scored six. six. Yeah. Six on a cold gonna, day. It's going to win a lot of games. And that's on a cold day where the ball isn't traveling the way it does on a summer day at Great American Ballpark. Right. But the thing is, is the home runs that they're hitting aren't cheapy home runs either. I mean. No, Naquin hit one out of the park. And then I think the one, like, uh, the one Moustakis hit the other night when uh, Sadak was talking about him hitting bombs and batting practice in the minor leagues, like, way back when. And he's like, I just watch him launch him. And he launches that one. Bye-bye, like baseball. That, that's a whole nother conversation about Sadak. Sadak, sure. Get into here in a little bit. But that ball, that ball that he hit would have gone out of the stadium if they didn't build the, uh, the bow tie bar up there. So we don't have a soft spot in this roster right now. The catchers, both of them are hitting the ball well between Stevenson and Tucker. And that's been a point where people wanted us to upgrade in the offseason. Um, Joey Votto maybe could be seeing the ball a little bit better if you want to get a little nitpicky. Suarez, Suarez could be seeing but, the ball a little bit better. Well, you know what? They're doing this without those guys. So, Correct. Like, and we I'm all know say, that. And, and I'm not saying by any means that those guys like need to be. We gone. also know that Joey Votto will come around. Suarez will come around. And at the end of the day, you still have to end up with three outs at the end of every inning. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So between those guys, you have just some excellent seasons already. India is setting records as a rookie right now. Uh, he, he is beating Bo Jackson in the amount of RBI hits that one has in their first X amount of games at this point in time. I just want I just want to read you some statistics here, and this is just not, uh, right now I'll just go National League. Right? And this is batting. Average. Number one in the National League, Jonathan India. 476. Cassianos is fourth. Moustakis is eighth. Okay? Then we go down to home runs. Cassianos, one. Also tied at one. Naquin. With four. <laughs> they both have four. Naquin's only played in like three games. Aquino is at tied tied for seventh with two. All right. Now let's move down to the next category. RBIs. Number one, Naquin with 13. Two, Jonathan India with 10. Cassianos is tied for fourth with seven. We'll, leave, we'll, we'll stay with like top 10 numbers here. Um, 
stolen bases is like the only thing we don't have going on right now. Are, is this um, all including any of the games that have ended already today? Uh, this is the most up to date thing on the MLB app. So I imagine, I imagine that's including like the Cardinals, whose game is already over, and they're sitting at five and two. They're only two losses to your Cincinnati Reds. So then you got uh, runs. Nick Cassianos, number one, tied with Nick Senzel with nine. Number three, Mike Mustakis with eight. Uh, on base percentage, Mustakis is at is fourth. Senzel is seventh. Castellanos and India are tied at tenth. It's, it's been absurd. OPS. Castellanos. Naquin. Mustakis is fifth. <laughs> Slugging. Castellanos. Naquin. Mustakis is ninth. Like, I mean, I could keep clicking these, but it's just going to be me repeating the same names over and over. It's, it's fun. Ten all these categories. Is the season going to finish this way? God, I hope so. I don't think it will. <laughs> but if it does, they, well, will, they will hit thousands and thousands of home runs. Because you're also going to have Jesse Winker back, who hits the ball well. Oh, you're also you forgetting. You're also going to have been playing. You're also going to have Shogo. So they're going to have a very hard decision as to who they're keeping. Sands, you know, barring barring like an injury that makes us not have to make that decision, which, of course, none of us hope for, but a Senzel injury and, is, of course, always around the corner. And I think, and, and like, the frightening thing is, like, so you you look at it, and you're like, who are we going to get rid of? Well, if they get rid of Aquino, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's got to be DFA'd. Yeah, he has no options. So he would have he, to be he DFA'd. He would be picked up, 100%. And, and he gets somebody's picked up. Gonna, somebody's going to snatch him up. Yes. Right? So, like, you, you can't like hold him in your back pocket to bring him back up if somebody gets injured. Correct. So then you're looking at, and you're not going to leave you're not going to leave Shogo in AAA. No, I I don't think you can. Not with what and I know I know people are paying him what it, Correct. Is it all about the payday at that point? So and, and if you bring him up and he's like having a real hard well, time then you send him back down here, you can't bring him Here's the thing though. If you get rid if you DFA him. Here's the thing with with Shogo at least because yeah, he, bit of time to well, I was going to say you some, can, you don't have to rush him back to the big league level because you do have guys that are give him some rehab and hitting hamstring, very hamstring, well. Hamstring injuries do tend to linger, which is another thing to worry about with him. So you know that's all things to be considered. Let's also not forget that because Kyle Farmer can play so many positions, you can't. You, you, you can't. You put can the ball. And did you see the plays he made at shortstop? My my point is, you could potentially send Blandino packing, as opposed to running options out on one of these outfielders. I mean, do you? And you hate to say that because if they send Blandino, does he have options to go down? I don't know that. I don't know that he has any options, but I also don't know that he's necessarily getting picked up. First and foremost, secondly, how often is he coming in the game right now? I mean, and if I, he came in and played first base the other day, didn't he? Well, and I think you could do the same At thing the with the game. No, I, mean, I think absolutely. You farmer. could shuffle some guys around as far as a farmer. Mustakis can go. You you can move Suarez See? back to third. You're, farmer to short or to short, and then Mustakis back to first. Like, well, yeah. and there's there's certainly some things that you could kind of tinker with, and that's if they don't tinker with 
you know, trying to get Senzel in the infield at some point in time ever. I don't, I don't know that they do. I that. don't, well, I don't think so either, but you could also play with Jesse Winker at first base and start to play with that, you know, speaking because of, speaking of odd people at first base, I flipped on the Yankees game last night. Jay Bruce, first baseman for the Yankees yesterday. I would, would have never guessed. No. He had, he, also didn't know he was a Yankee. <laughs> I didn't either. I got Bruce over there with a nice pick, and I was like, uh, huh. He looks awful familiar. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, there's some different things though you can do to to toy with this lineup to try and get guys either staying on the team if they're red hot. And at this point, I'd I'd struggle more to find a spot for Blandino on this roster than I would for a Naquin or an Aquino. Personally, no. I mean, that's the thing. So. I think the the thing that you can give yourself the time on here is that when Shogo does come back and start making some rehab starts or starts at the alternate site, whatever they're going to end up, I don't, I guess there is going to be a a minor league season. So at some point it won't be the alternate site anymore. It'll just be triple a down there. And so regardless, you're going to have some time to kind of let this shake out a little bit, but Let's say in a month they're still hot and heavy rolling through the, the season and you gotta make some decisions. Blandino might be the one to go. Well, and you know, you potentially and could it's even... not that he deserves to go. I mean, it's not that I mean I honestly, like anybody that they've run out there right now, it seems like is like gonna get the job done. You you potentially could even mess around with Tyler Stevenson at first base. You could. I like him behind the I like him behind the plate, but just trying to figure out ways that you could substitute. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I, I understand what you're doing, but I just, I don't know. Anytime a guy can play more than one position, period, is more biggest, of an attribute than a than a guy that you're struggling to find a spot for. The the, the biggest issue that they're going to come down to is not can we move this guy here, or this guy here. It's going to be who do we have to tell is going to have to go down. Or not have a job potentially, or go play for the Orioles or whatever terrible team they end up on yeah, on waivers. Yeah, on the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and it's like the Pirates. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 did hear that, I did hear that they, you know, that I I knew that they had cut Todd Frazier, but then they mentioned that they had signed him back to a minor league deal, so he is still part of the Pirates organization. Gross. Who would have thought that he'd be in the minors for the Pirates? For the Pirates. Not just in the minors, but you're in the minors for the Pirates. So you wanted to talk about Sadak. Okay. So I I had lit like when they so when they announced that I'd never heard of him. I'm not gonna lie. Never heard of the when they when they said this is the new guy. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of him, Mm -hmm. but being the the uh, ever the optimist that I am, the Jeffimist, uh, I said, "Listen, I'll go hear some things, and you know, to my benefit, I follow people on Twitter that are smarter than me, and found clips and whatnot of him calling different games and basketball and whatnot." His in- his introduction of himself to the city on Twitter was pretty fantastic. Right, so that hadn't been posted yet, and people had already put up some like clips of him calling exciting things happening in whatever 
sport it was that he was calling. Was he covering more than just baseball? Yeah, he did. He did basketball. He covered NCAA March Madness games this year too. Wow, he's got a great voice. Absolutely. And I was like, okay, I think I can live with this guy. He'd be pretty good. Then he had like his little introduction of himself to the city of Cincinnati. Hey, I'm you know I understand what it means to you know call games for the Reds. Yada yada yada. And I have been blown away with how good he is. And I don't know if it's because we are so used to having a TV guy that is quick to jump on negativity. And well, even and, go back and, further. And he, than, go back further than that. Go back to George Grand. George Grand. He reminds me a little bit of George Grand, but better. George Grand was a little cheesy. He was very family friendly, as is said. Sadex says, "Tickle the plate, maybe one too many times." <laughs> but he—I don't feel like he's cheesy, even in his calls. Like it's just genuine. Oh, no. Like yeah. you feel his love of the game. I feel like he's everything that the negativity that you were about to say that is Tom Brenneman. Yeah, I don't want to. We don't have to bring up names. We don't do that. Well, I, I'm fine bringing up names because I think that Sadak is everything. <laughs> I think I think Sadak is everything that Tom wanted to be but never could be. Well, and, and here here's the other thing. We haven't we haven't seen Sadak have to call like an extended <laughs> bad period of time yet. I I Is thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say that guy from Middletown in a game. Oh, no. Yeah, that hasn't happened <laughs> yet either. Um and it won't be when the Cubs come to town. So no, it's the Nationals um, this year, right? So you know he hasn't had that come up yet. But then you know, like Brenman knows what it, knew what it was like to have a team that was good, that was like good more often than not, right? And it it always seemed like there was like because I I really like Marty and Joe, right? I think all of us that are like our age ish, yeah. Grew up with Marty and Joe, and that was, like I listened to the radio all the time whenever I was mm-hmm. young. Out, outside, inside, didn't right. matter. Whatever, listen to the radio, Car. right? Yeah. And we all know that Marty was always critical, but I always felt that the way that he was critical, like, was mostly done in a tactful way, as far as like I was concerned, and like I felt like he kind of earned the the criticisms that he was able to to dole out. He got far more critical. He got far more critical than his. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's like a a, kind of an old, old guy on his lawn, like get off my lawn kind of guy. (laughs) Um, But I, I I feel like Tom came in and was like straight away, like, oh, oh, let me call this out. Let me call that out. Let me call it. And like, anytime anything good happened, it just didn't seem like there was a lot of like. He also came from the NFL broadcast booth when he when he came to baseball and all he knew was that he was a legacy stepping in under his father's shadow. And when you're calling football games, you're not calling football games for just one team. So you don't have that. I'm in your living room as part of your everyday life for 162. Right. So it's a whole different dynamic. You just have to be able to be capable of that in your head. But I, I I do, I do like, say that quite a bit um he's had a chance to make some some 
good calls on on exciting days. Lots of home um, run calls. A, a good number of home run calls, but also like even on just you know, kind of ho hum plays. I mean, he brings a level of kind of excitement and good descriptors. Well, and Larkin. Larkin's Larkin, been fantastic Larkin. on the other side of him. So, so Larkin has. Uh, I know that some people aren't aren't super high on him, and so yeah, you, you kind of go when you get that in your head to start with. You're a little overly critical on on that kind of thing, but I I think Larkin has brought some some good uh, to the booth. It's interesting to hear some of the things that he has to say. I do think sometimes that he gets ahead of himself and says things that don't make sense. Like they were talking about um, how players last year were saying that they, they didn't know what it was like to have, like to have the Cincinnati fans, like the fans here, like what that's like. And he's like, yeah, I have no idea what that's like. What do you mean you don't know what the Cincinnati playing in front of the Cincinnati fans are like? But maybe he meant he didn't know what it was like to not play in front of fans. That's not what he said. Well, that's, the way you phrased it, it could have been taken as such. It's not what he said. It was because I was like, "Come on, Barry, I wore your number when I was growing up." <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> but, well, I mean, he also let's take into consideration that while he is a Hall of Famer. He is not a Hall of Fame broadcaster. This is Correct. his. This is his first. He's got. He's real. He's got real he's, stint. He's got certainly. Certainly has room to grow. He's he's done but, some stuff for the MLB network in the past, but this is his first real stint, and he's back at home. I'm sure there's some nerves. Absolutely. Because you're in front. You're you're basically, you know, just in front of the people, like stripped down to nothing, in front of the people with just your voice of the people who are beholden to you. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you're a hall of famer. The, the people who are listening are the, are the people who grew up watching you and loving you. And you know, it, so it's just very, very different than the MLB network stints for other teams that were not necessarily the Reds. And there's something to be said about his ability to see a play and then talk about it, dissect it a little bit as a player. Position as player as opposed to Chris that, Welsh. Right. Who also does a good job breaking things down. But, about pitching. Right. More so than like the fielding aspect of it where Barry can talk about like the way that, oh, he could flip that or that's a hard one to grab when you're coming in at that angle or to twist and turn. And like he can talk about the nuances of actually fielding as opposed to Chris Welsh, who I've never heard him say a single word about those things Mm -hmm. by comparison. And, you know, where is Larkin only doing home games? Yes, I do believe that to be correct. I hope that doesn't leave us with Jim Day. Uh, I think it's Sadak and Welsh. Thank God. On the road. I like Jim Day. I'm not here for Jim Day. Jim Day. I'm not here for Jim Day. Every day is a Jim Day. I'm not here for Jim Day. So, um, so yeah, we're sitting at 5-1. The last real thing I want to bring up before we kind of switch gears here. It's better than 1-5, by the way. Way better than 1-5. And, five. and it feels good. It against the Pirates or you know, the Dodgers. I, I, will, I will say it's kind of fun 
living down here and watching the game and hearing the fireworks from oh, the yeah. river in like real time. <laughs> uh, do you, so do you hear, you probably hear the fireworks before the TV gets to there, it, yeah? Not by much, not by much at all. Like it's maybe a split second. Like I don't That's hear awesome. them, I don't hear them before the crack of the bat. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, so like you, the, see, you see the hit and then uh, the, you hear the fireworks and then you see it go over the wall. The ball generally has already cleared the wall before I'm hearing the fireworks. And I'm not, I'm not hearing them even super loud, but I know they're coming. So I'm listening for them. And yeah. then I hear them. There's enough buildings in the way where I'm not like a, a straight shot to the sound. You're not living at the current. Right. Then there's no way that there would be a, I'd be hearing the the fireworks before I'm I've seen people, I've seen people tweet about it like I hear the fireworks and then I see the play and then I hear it on the radio like <laughs> that'd be a mess. Well, some people watch their games that 30, and, 30 seconds of fireworks. <laughs> and if like if I did that I would have to like pause my TV, get everything hit, synced up and then hit play when like it was synced up with the radio. Right? No like I've done that. I've done that. There were times that I had to turn off the announcement or whatever. It's like Tom's to, gone. It's it's all I good. Pull, I have to pull up some other way to watch these games because the MLB doesn't want to let anybody watch any games anymore. And it's else. only in Spanish or Japanese. So maybe you got to turn it off. <laughs> and then maybe you just listen to the radio and then watch. Unreal. So the last thing I want to bring up is there was uh, the ESPN power rankings came out today. <laughs> oh, God. And 19th, they moved up one spot. Hang on. Hang on. It, it's worse than that for me that we're at 19. I can handle 19. I would be okay with 19. If there weren't certain teams ahead of us? If we hadn't taken a series from the Cardinals and pummeled them and if the Brewers weren't ahead of us still. So here's the argument I'm trying to make for this, and you tell me your thoughts on this. I brought it up on Twitter today, and I got a little bit poo-pooed on for it, and I can't even read the, the response tweet because it was it was really bad, and it would embarrass my mother's ears. So, was it your, resp your response? Or not your... my response. It was a response oh, okay. to me. Um, yeah, it was... Wildly gonna, inappropriate. Well, now you can look, look it up. That, that's fine. You can go ahead and look it up. But the uh, the argument I'm here to make is the fact that when are we ever going to admit that preseason rankings can be way off? Because we're afraid to do it with college football. God forbid. You know, we can't just drop somebody out of the top 25 for taking a beating. I'm not surprised. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not surprised. You know, we, we can't drop anybody out of the top 25 in football for taking a beating, even though no one's seen these guys play anybody, and they're just preseason rankings that we're judging the first week rankings off of. Right. We're doing the same thing now with power rankings in baseball. Now, granted, we got to see a whole bunch of spring training ball, but how many of these guys are out there really trying? A, there's no bonuses on the line. B, they're all just trying to get through spring training without getting injured for the most part, unless you're trying to win a job. C, a lot of these guys are tinkering with certain pitches and shit, so they're not actually throwing like their actual stuff in spring training ball. So the hits that you're giving up or the, the, 
you know, just the different stuff you're giving up as a pitcher, it's not the same. It doesn't translate to the 162, to the marathon. So when can we just say preseason rankings were all a sham just to get you to watch certain things or for ratings and let's just throw it all in the trash and start fresh based on actual what happened this past six, seven games. When is that acceptable? I mean, I guess you look at it and you say that uh, there are only, what, six divided by 162, 3% of the way into the season? And that's fine. I'm not saying that it has to be permanent, but this is a better measuring stick than preseason. I think power rankings in baseball and in... In general? NFL. I mean, it's it's like even more subjective than rankings in because it legitimately has zero basis on what happens going forward. I mean, they could leave, they could leave the reds at, you know, like 20 all year and they're going to still do what they're going to do. Like, you know what I mean? This doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm looking right now at the overall standings. We all, that that, we all know that ESPN doesn't like Cincinnati anything. No. No, they don't. Nor does Fox, for that matter. Colin Coward likes to shit all over us all the time anyway. I can't. But I, 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 I'm looking at the overall standings, even after games that have concluded at 10.53 p.m. on Thursday. And as of right now, there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams with five wins. Only three of those teams have one loss. Tell me how we're 19. Like, what defense do you have? I mean, it's technically still an unproven pitching staff, I guess you could say. I mean, they had one. Fine. They've each had one outing. You've still got, like, the potential the. All I'm saying is statistically, I'm showing us. Well, I mean, I just read through the statistics on offense, and we're got several players topping out in several places. I'm looking at eight three three being the winning percentage. To me, that's power. Yeah, I would agree. Five wins and one loss. The only teams that should be above us at this point in time at all would be Houston and Philly at five and one each as well. And if you want to put either one of them above us, so be it. But if we're looking at strictly power rankings, you can change every week, by the way. Yeah. If you're, you, well, you change them every day if you want to. Sure. If you got somebody who's dedicated to that, by all means. I mean, it's not like you're waiting around for like a vote. The same way you are for like rankings and other. But say say we sustain first place in the division for another month. Let's let's be super optimistic about this, and it's realistic that we could do so as gonna, we. But then they're going to come back and say that like, regardless, they're going to be like, oh, national. We're only a quarter of the, the only a quarter of the season through. The Na- National League Central is the weakest division in baseball. You know, they'll find whatever reason they can. To do that, and you know what? I hope they do. I hope the Reds maintain first place. I hope that they continue to put them at in whatever you know Mickey Mouse goof troop nonsensical power rankings 
that they want to do. And the Reds players continue to do what they're doing. And that's beat the tar out of the ball all over the ballpark, score runs, strike people out, move on, win games, flex on people, flip bats, showboat, all the things. Yes. And prove everyone wrong. Well, I lied. I'm, I'm not. I'm not done talking about the Reds yet. I do have at least one more thing. I and I don't feel like it's getting enough attention, but I hear they have a sign in the locker room that reads, "Finish today, one and zero." How much of a mind thing do you think it is seeing that sign every day and knowing that, regardless of what happened yesterday, like you've been in a locker room, so you can speak to this a little bit more than I can. <laughs> I mean. You, you've known what the locker room culture can be like and all of that. So, like, how much mind games do things like that play to your own psyche? Well, I mean, it, it always goes back to, like, you know, so let me, let me rewind this. The way, the way that this team is built up, and Cassianos touched on it as well, uh, with you've got veterans and you've got some guys with a few seasons under belt and you got some some brand new guys right and so you've got to be able to find some way to push those guys to know that like you know you could have some new guys who maybe they maybe all they know their whole life is winning and they come out opening day and they get absolutely drilled right because they did they had drilled on mm -hmm. opening day i mean it was 11 6 but like it wasn't really even that close they got drilled. And you could have some of those guys who are going to go back. You've got a whole locker room full of young guys. And they go back in the locker room and they're like, yep, what what everybody is saying about us is true. We suck. But instead, you got guys like Castellanos looking at the dugout, throwing his hands in the air as he hits a home run. you got these other guys who are, gonna, are able to come in there and be like, we got 161 more games. Forget about that one. Finish tomorrow 1-0. And we'll move on. We are the yeah. bat, bat flipping, showboating, son of a guns. And all I was missing from Amir Garrett delivering that line was a Ric Flair. Woo! I would agree with that. I thought he was going to, but he didn't. I can't believe he didn't. No, I mean, it, it the makeup, and I've talked about this with, like, I have, you know, I, I, have a, a text group with my brother-in-laws that we all talk about Reds baseball and whatnot and Red Cincinnati sports in general. But um, we we talked about like the the makeup of of this team and how it kind of has that. And, and it's early. We I, I, that's been beaten to the ground. I I don't understand why people can't wrap their minds around like be happy about what you got. And I know as Cincinnati fans, we've all been five in a row is more than we won. I feel like at any point in the last several seasons. So, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what the longest winning streak we've had in recent years has been, but it always seems like it was like win one, lose four, win one, lose two. And I know we put two, lose three. Like, we strung a bunch together to make the playoffs last year. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, Maybe seven. I think they they won what ten of eleven at the end of last year or something crazy like that. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I know we we've put together. I don't a, know where it got broke up. Like I don't know what the a good what, string, but it, it was. And and you've got. I mean, you've got to be able to do that a couple times a year. So even if even if you know, let's say they go out here to the Diamondbacks and they take two or three from the Diamondbacks, and maybe they maybe they lose the series to the the Giants. I mean, so you split a five hundred little road trip i mean do they do they come back after the giants you know uh, i believe so i'll check it but if you want to keep talking I'm, I'm so let's say you do that you know and you go out there and you we got three and three right so now you're eight and four uh we do come back we got the indians and then we got the diamondbacks again before heading to st louis and uh and then actually uh, a three-game L.A. trip. Okay. So see, before another that, home stand. So against teams like the Diamondbacks, who, by the way, have like a negative, like uh, a horrendous run differential. Uh, let me look at it right now. It, it Their run differential is... They're 2-5 and five as far as overall record. Their run differential is minus 18. Whereas we're like plus thirty something, plus thirty one, mm-hmm. should be plus thirty five. But Amir Garrett rocked the baby about an an out too late. Yeah, and that's all right, <laughs> whatever. And like he said on Twitter, because people have been coming at him, and he's like, "This isn't about individual accomplishments. This is about the team and the team." Won. W's, W's. That's it. W's. And I, and I think. Think and that that's one of the other great things, and I know that we're kind of bouncing around a little bit here, but I think that's another great thing about this team is it doesn't seem like anybody's like, look at me, like no, there's none of that nonsense going on. Well, and uh, going back to Cassianos and his post game interviews, interviews fan. <laughs> he he is not about look at me. He did say <laughs> when it asked if he was a leader or a follower. Said, well, I know for one thing, I'm damn sure not no leader. Said, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm damn sure not no follower. Yeah, he, like you got to ask those guys. And then the next day, when he hit a bomb and it landed above the bullpen, and all the bullpen guys were jumping up and down, they were like, "I think you know, he's a leader <laughs> on this team." But, but at the same time, like he's not about like looking. I, I mean, yes, he is. He's got the drip and the swag and all that. Well, that's fine. And he, he is kind he of doesn't a, come to those post game interviews like you said. He's not coming in there like. Did you see how far I hit that home run? Well, did you and see what a, I did there? I think there's even a difference between the way that he carries himself on the field compared to like a Trevor Bauer, who we saw all season last year, who was very much a look at me guy. Yeah, but he was also about the W's. Well, you can, correct, but I don't know that he was about the team as much as he was about the W's because those W's were his personal record. Fair. Just saying. I mean, you know I'm a Bauer fan, so. I understand, but I'm just trying to make you think about it a little bit different way. I don't want to. That's fine. So we've talked about the Reds for an hour and five minutes. Switching gears here. still so much more to talk about. Man. I love I can, the Reds. We didn't even I get to John. Clay had been here, and he couldn't make it. We didn't even really get to talk about Naquin or, uh, or, or Jonathan India. Oh my God, those guys are so good, and we can talk. So, about it. Hopefully, we can get Clay be, here. There'll be plenty talk of, for Clay because plenty of seasons to talk about, the, or plenty of weeks to talk about these Reds. Hopefully, plenty of seasons as well. well. Yeah, I mean that too. So, switching gears, 
I do want to talk about John Brandon and the dumpster fire. <laughs> the the current the current situation of the Bearcats because since we last recorded, there was the information that came out last weekend, which <sighs> you had the information that was that came out from Justin Williams and all of that. And I know that we uh we said we weren't going to talk about things that are behind paywalls, but I think it's been a little while now. And I think it's fairly common knowledge as ESPN pretty much just ripped his entire article and just cut and pasted it. Um, I don't know how they're getting away with that other than being the quote worldwide leader and probably having just teams of lawyers lined up to just drag anybody who tries to fight them on that. Or they just take it down after people get the notification and they have a hundred thousand clicks within 10 minutes. But you had the accusations that John Brandon was pushing kids in practice to the point of puking and that the medical staff had to shut down a practice. So when, when you got that information, I know a lot of people, you pretty much have two camps right now as far as the fans go. It's not who are you on Brandon's side or the, or the player side. It's kind of gone beyond that. It's are the players too soft in this generation entirely or are our expectations too high of, of the kids that are being recruited right now? So, let me. I'm okay with practices being so hard that you're throwing up. I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with practices being to the point where a medical staff has to say, this is too much. Because I've been involved in lots of practices across lots of sports. Right. Um, wherein I wanted to throw up. I did throw up. I had teammates that threw up. So it wasn't to the point of like, it wasn't like when someone would get to that point that there was no like, all right, get you some water, sit down, you know, take, take a break for a little bit. When you're ready, get back in. Like we're going to keep, we're going hard. Like, and a lot of those practices occurred during like a, a conditioning time for the team, right? Maybe you came in off an off season, you were a little out of shape, you weren't ready. Some of those practices in college came at any point during the year when maybe you had had a little too much to drink the night before. And that's different, right? And you're still going to, you can grow in those practices and still do well. But when you are practicing or pushing kids, athletes of any level, to the point that a medical professional has to step in and say, this has to stop or there is going to be a serious physical consequence that is going to occur to one or more of these guys. That's a problem. So I want to play. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I want to play devil's advocate advocate to a a couple of different things here. Okay. First, first and foremost, we are still currently in the middle of a pandemic, in which case I do know the players are being tested all the time. Let's not kid ourselves. However, if you're in a situation where people are puking in a situation where you have a viral pandemic going on, 
Do you think maybe there was a shorter leash from the medical staff pulling the plug on a practice because you had kids puking when people are I, contagious right now? I don't know that that really had a whole lot to do with with. I don't. Um, I don't either. I'm just trying to throw out some different thoughts yeah. that. I haven't heard anywhere, but I don't. I don't feel like people are actually asking these types of questions. I, I could see that being it as well. And if and if that's the case, if they're stopping it because, you know, they're like, hey, you know, we tested everybody, but it could be, and like that just is going to ramp up the the potential. Right. But are these kids throwing up on each other, or are they running over well, and vomiting in a trash can? Again, I mean, it's a are viral thing. So like, are they? We're wearing right? masks outside just for breathing. So you're projectile vomiting into a trash can or whatever that is doing what with whatever's in your body yeah, is me just trying to think if, again i'm just trying to think outside the box here uh, but i'm thinking like if you're inside practicing basketball running wind sprints whatever you're playing and running into each other and physically contacting each other your sweat is flying off you're sure. spitting out and hitting each other yeah. bleeding um maybe vomit is not a concern and that could well be I, true and I, I, so, I do believe that it was probably more of a you. This kid is clearly beyond exhaustion, right? And there are any number so, of things that can go wrong there. The other devil's advocate question I want to bring up is: We saw the kid from S FSU collapse on the court. You've seen, you know, several players, and it's way hyped more so nowadays than maybe when we were younger. Because a, there's camera phones everywhere where they weren't you yeah. know once once upon a time and who knows what kids were collapsing in a high school practice on a you know juco gym or w whatever the case may be but now we're seeing these things in a much brighter light when they do happen and while they are not a commonality type of thing we do see players collapsing or dying unfortunately that's happened a handful of times uh, over the course of the last decade we'll say um so since those things have been brought to light and you know that there are universities that have probably had to, you know, pay out an awful lot of money for when those particular situations do happen, even though that's not the norm, it's not a high percentage whatsoever. It's a very, very low percentage. Mm -hmm. um, I would say less than a fraction of a percent. Um, you know, those things are becoming at the forefront of, you know, things that we report on, unfortunately. Right. So do you think that that has things on a shorter leash than what they once were? I think so. Probably. I mean, you've got, you just don't, you don't want to be the, the next, school, the next university that's got, a, a, got it. Could you imagine if that, if that happened here? I mean, John Brandon, all, I, mean all this stuff, I mean, I get, I, that, that'd be the I, easiest I that, that, that's not a, a case closed. Right. But, but no, that's not know. anything that anybody wants right, at all for their school. It's just as a here. Here's a different way to look at it, I guess. Is as a parent, you're trusting, and especially during COVID, when you can't even yes. really visit, you're mm -hmm. trusting this guy to essentially be the the stand-in parent for you in your absence. So, do you think that he was properly? maintaining that job or do you think this is just a, simply a case of so many broken promises i mean i think i think what you've got is it i don't a, a perfect I think, storm 
Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> a, a, per, uh, a, a perfect like tornado uh, of horribleness. I mean, you got even all the way back to like very like you get these like weird cryptic tweets coming out from like Jaime Sorolla, like you know, that happened last weekend as well. Yes. Yeah, you got you, got, you know Cumberland putting stuff up on his IG like on a fairly regular basis. Like you've got all these guys that are just kind of like, they just put this, this cryptic stuff out and I wish, and I, I understand there's, you know, implications behind a lot of different things that can't, can or can't be said. Yes. Uh, and no, I mean, Sorrell is overseas. Like you're yeah. not coming. You're, well, you're, he's not holding back anything. I mean, he's also he's, not giving anything. Right. He's not giving a whole lot outside of like, Aha, I told you so. And I, I, I don't again, it's cryptic because, though. Like, I don't like give us because, yeah. Throw, throw us a throw us a bone here. Like you're you're get you're averaging like two points a a game. You're getting six minutes over there. Like you're not hurting any relationships here. What are you gonna do? Come back here and coach on this side? Like, uh, what are you doing, man? But all of that being said and coming out. The way that this is being handled, and maybe there are other things that we don't know about, or we're not privy to, or the public's not privy to, that some people are privy to, whatever. It's bad. The optics of this entire situation are horrendous. And that goes for the university side. It goes for Brandon's camp. I mean, he's got this lawyer who, like, is seemingly on some reality TV show. Like, he's just enjoying his time in the spotlight a hundred percent whatever like do whatever you're gonna do i guess guy but i think i'd be mad though if i'm if that's my lawyer he's like and I, he, got, I got this paperwork that john brandon hasn't even well, seen and when not he only that he's through. he's sliding into people's mentions he, he is this guy is i mean not even descri- somebody i'm sure he's sliding like ambulance chaser for like college coaches and I fully understand and see that. I mean, he's, he, it's Chad. When, when I talked to Chad on, on Monday, uh, on our podcast, I asked if he was is kind of like a Johnny Cochran type personality. And he said, yes, like that's, you know, I mean, just out here flamboyant and loud and wants to make his presence known and shake things up and try to shape the narrative so that donors, at least the way that Chad saw it is, is, or, or maybe I'm putting together what I said, what I talked about with Chad in addition to, cause I don't want to put any words in anybody's mouth, but I know I, I talked to Chad Monday and then tonight I've been listening to the B Fox, Justin Williams podcast. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and between all of that, listen to that, between all of that, like, you know, you, you got this guy who's just out here trying to rile up donors, trying to just get people essentially trying to pressure the university to, to buy out. And it's essentially going to try and get his client the highest amount of money that he can. Yeah, I mean, At least I, I, that's I, I the kind of the way B Fox broke, broke it down. I mean, and here's the thing. The tournament's done. So the trickle of players into, well, it wasn't a trickle. It it is a deluge of players into the portal. It's gonna stop. No, I disagree. You're gonna have a second wave, and here's why: <laughs> is because you're gonna have all these guys on new teams, right? 
but you're going to have guys on the old teams or that were with the team that see, oh, now I'm behind one, maybe two guys that I didn't expect to be behind. And they're better than me. I don't want to play for my spot. Much like a Joe Burrow didn't want to play for his spot when Justin Fields came in. What did so, Joe Burrow do? He transferred to LSU. Okay. So you're so, still going to have some are guys. Ha- are you going to classify that? Let me put it this way. It's there, not ideal. There, it's not, there aren't going to be... There aren't going to be as many the same caliber, correct? Impactful players yes. in the portal in two months, three months, four months from now, correct? Maybe even two weeks from now. You got kids I'm, that are saying, "I'm going to make my decision by the middle of April." I'm not arguing any of that. My argument is simply there will be a second wave. And poor Bryson Spell is like, "I'm coming to UC," and then it was like. <gasps> Is he still committed? Does anybody even know right I now? I haven't seen anything. If I'm him, I'm not committed. I'm like, Why no. would you be? Deuces. You don't. I'm. You my, got three. You got my recruitment's wide open all over again. Yeah, I mean, there was the kid from like Florida or whatever. There was a kid that had like Florida and UC as his like. He opened his back up. And yeah. He's like, no, it's all open. So yep. to me, that says I was planning on probably going to UC, but that is a dumpster fire. Well. Um, I mean, no, you were planning on coming to play for Coach Brandon. You still potentially could be going to UC, but you've got to figure out who they're getting in there. Because as you look at the atmosphere here, A, we're still going to be on ESPN Plus, first and foremost. B, you at least know that there's four if guys. We've got enough, if we've got enough guys to put a team <laughs> on the court. There's currently still four guys. So, you know, if. Well, and I guess if Bryson Spell is coming, that's five. Five. If he's that's a lot of playing time available. I'm just saying that's I've I've I keep saying that is nobody wants to hear that, but now I've seen I've seen there's the, PT I've, for sure. I've I've seen you know the conspiracy theorists, and I want to see what you think about it. That these kids that left UC and are in the transfer portal were hoping that Brandon would get fired or leave, and that. A new coach would get hired, and they would just come back. Let's just say I've heard rumblings, not from Chad, but from people who have ties to the program that have said the same thing, but not enough for me to put a solid stamp on that, that that I'm I'm willing to put that out there with my name on it. Otherwise, you would have seen me tweet something like that. Let me, let me put it to you this way, then. Your personal, like, because we've all seen everything that's going on. Sure. Everything that's public. If you're a kid that left here or entered the transfer portal and it was solely based on the coach and you, you think that they come back? Here's the thing. How many out of, like, let's say out of, like, the five that are out there? if If I'm already in the transfer portal. And I know the teams that are recruiting me. It it's really dependent on how close where, my where I can go. No, not necessarily that. The only thing that would keep me at Cincinnati if I'm already in the transfer portal at this point is how much of an allegiance and how much of a friendship I have built with Mike Adams Woods, David DeJulius, Jeremiah Davenport, and Victor Lockin. 
and that's it. Yeah, that's the only thing tying you here at all. And if you can outweigh that with, I can go to a program and know what my role is going to be right now. That's not a hard sell. And truthfully, I I don't expect to get any of these guys back from the transfer portal at this point. This is this process is taking too long. Uh, that that's my whole. That's my we'd ha- we'd have to hire a guy. Honest to God, I think we'd have to hire a guy by early to midweek next week. Yeah, I mean, you've got guys that left that have already said this is the date that I'm making my call. Well, I've also heard that we've passed deadlines already for some of those kids to come back. Well, I mean, I think they could come back. Not according to them. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Not like a like a rule, but a personal deadline of like you guys didn't do anything by this point. So. Again, I, I don't want to put that. I, in a, I, I hear you, but I, I, I just I just want to make sure that this is all out there. That this is all speculative and things that I can't put concrete on. But anything these are else. right. No. These are, these are our whispers that I'm hearing and. You know, I, I, I mean, I had heard I had heard whispers of things that you know I disclosed to in some private things that just didn't turn out the way that yeah some wires were probably crossed somewhere um, because things did happen that were similar but not quite as hopeful. Um, so yeah. who knows? So, I mean, the UC basketball is in a very precarious uh, on the razor's edge, shall we say of. Uh, they need to get somebody in here or we're going to be going around to the inter teams to see if, you know, that kid that played three minutes for his high school team that is now falling beers and then going to play an intramural game wants to throw, throw on the jersey and get out there on, on the court. What I will say is I want uh, Tom Mars to keep Uncle Luke's mouth or Uncle Uncle Luke's name out of his mouth. Yeah, don't don't talk about him. Go back, just, go back to your your little squirmy little wormhole and stay there, and don't just, ever disparage the name of Luke Fickle. Just saying, it in your mouth. Like, get away. If I'm Luke Fickle, like I'm mad as hell. I'm telling that, that dude, like, shut your mouth. Don't ever talk about me again. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we could have a wrestle off. Luke well, I, versus Tom Mars. And if Luke wins, Tom Mars takes all of his things, including John Brandon, and goes. I mean, at the end of the day, though, if you're Luke Fickle, you're watching this. Absolutely. Very, very interested with the way that John Cunningham handles all of this. And maybe by so. Like, it doesn't take anybody. Like, Tom Mars, you don't, you, you don't have shit that we didn't already know that. Like we couldn't have already figured that out. That guy's a whack job. Just anyway. Next. All right. So I I I don't want to dwell too much on it, but I want to ask again, as I, I think you brought up last week, the one question I have on Bengals as we we get into this. Well, first off, Gia was cut. Good move, bad move. I don't like it. That guy Four. shouldered the load okay. last year. Here's 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 what I'm gonna ask you though is 
He is the highest paid third down back in the NFL. Earned. Eh. Eh. I mean, the, the... Okay. What I'm telling you is I think they plan on drafting a running back. So that said, your options are, is Gio your third back or is Samaj P. Ryan your third back? Samaj P. Ryan signed a very team-friendly contract that they can cut him and pretty much not be out of anything. And so I think they were trying to go with, hey, we don't want to pay you $4 million to be our third down guy when we're going to have a guy who's younger, faster, stronger than you. So for $4 million, I'm not on board with $4 million. But he's my... I, I. I love the guy. I wish nothing but good for the guy. But four million dollars, they did try and I don't think they actually tried to try tr- tried to trade him. I think that was all a smoke show, trying to see if other teams would generate interest if they put it out there publicly that they were trying to trade him. He has a four million dollar mustache. Yeah, he has a four million dollar contract, and that's why they could not move him. That's why they could not move him. I mean, that I said, hope catches, I hope he catches on somewhere. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back on a team-friendly contract. Truthfully, yeah, I mean, if that if that's a possibility, but and again, parting ways with with Samaj P. Ryan, who also didn't look terrible in the the time that he got. I know that we still have a uh, Travion uh, Williams. Is it Travion yeah. Williams? Um, I know that he's still on the team, and you know he's had some injury issues and what have you. Um, I, I still wouldn't be terribly upset if they took a flyer on a guy like. Sermon from Ohio State. I've seen. Um, there's there's been he, some other he put together some good games this year. There's been some other guys. Uh, the the kid from what was it? A uh, and M maybe somewhere down in the in the Big Twelve. I've seen just some some different mocks. I have basically there's a like plethora of really good running back depth in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Because that's where running backs go at this point. And we're hopefully going to have a pretty good show about all of that. Which brings me to the question that I want to ask you. Gun to your head. You got Pitts. You got Sewell. You got Chase. And you're at five. And all of them are available. Have you changed your stance from last week? Who's holding the gun to my head? You're holding the gun to your head, and you have to pull the trigger. You make the right call. You're safe. Oh, God, Aaron. Um, I'm, I, I think, I think, so I'm going to tell you this before I move forward with this. What was your call last week? Just to anybody who didn't listen. Uh, I I did say Chase last week. Okay. As did I. I am not. I I think there's enough depth on line that they they can fill that just fine later in the draft. I I, I honestly feel that's that's available. Um, I think I'd be mad if we drafted a guy in the first round who didn't play or didn't play his position. And I think that's the situation you're going to run into with Sewell. So I, I think right now that I would go with Pitts. Yeah. Over Chase. 
Yeah, the dude's the dude. He's a freak. If he's fast enough that I think you could even move him out as an enormous wide receiver. Do you know who he reminds me of that no one's yeah, talking about, has, which surprises the has, hell out of me? He has the like the longest wingspan of anyone ever. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now. You know he who he reminds me of that no one's talking about? I'm gonna give you a name and let me tell you if he reminds you of this guy. When he came out, he was so hyped at tight end. Any idea who I might guess? Or uh, who I'm gonna say? Was he a, a junior? When he came out? No, I don't no, recall. I, don't... I mean, who are you talking about? Vernon Davis. Oh, okay. Do you remember when he came out and he ran a four three and he was huge? Okay. So let, let's talk about let's talk about these hand time forties. That do they are, have comparisons that are, being, that are being? Well, I mean, the difference between hand time and automatic timing is like a quarter of a second. Oh, okay. You're talking about stopwatch. I mean, give or take. Okay. Depending on how good these guys are with their, their stuff. Why are we still doing hand ran, times? Let me Why are this. we still doing hand times? When I, when I was in college, I ran a four four five, but that was in track spikes on a track. So like that's that's also different. How many of these teams have every NFL team there, and they're all there to just ride the backs of these kids on a day that is just them showing off. Bring your lasers. It doesn't make sense. Bring your lasers. Why are we doing hand times? They should just have an automatic timer set up. Correct. It's, well, it's, I don't, because here's the thing is because a hand time is always going to be faster than an automatic time. Yeah. Well, just give me the actual time. But that's not fun. I'm not here for fun. I'm here I mean, for an e a level playing field. And I will say, I mean, maybe these guys, maybe these scouts and stuff that are. It's the same reason why we have we have the UConn guy running the the clock in triple overtime, and we get an inbound and a shot off in a time that is literally physically impossible for that kind of a thing to happen, and we okay. lose a game. Just Pits. saying. Pits. 83 and 3 eighths inches wingspan. Longest wingspan of any tight end or wide receiver in the NFL in the last 20 years. Megatron was only 82 inches. That's another inch. Into, that's almost another two inches. Is he actually going to be a tight end, though, or is he just going to be a wide receiver? <laughs> Whatever he wants to be. I mean, Travis Kelsey's only only has an eighty inch wingspan, but he's also got like forty pounds on him. Sewell also has short arms. I did see that he, he's got like some some, but they're well, somebody was like they're not like if they were below eighty. I think his are like, I think he's like eighty three inches as well. Obviously, he's lineman. And I will say though that Sewell did. Sewell's like he came in at like what three, three thirty or three forty, and he carried that weight like he only weighed about three hundred pounds. 
I will say I did not see any of his pro day statistics. They were not nearly as broadcasted or apparently as sexy as what, uh, what paper junior says that Kyle Pitts is his second highest graded. No highest graded tight end ever. That's from Mel Kuyper. Listen, if we took a Pitts or a, I think it comes down to this. This this is my personal opinion. And I know I want to get deeper into this when we do our, our actual uh, preview show. But my opinion is, if Joe Burrow has come into your office... That's why I'm saying who had the gun to my head. If Joe Burrow's gun to my head, I'm giving him chase because that's probably who he wants. If that's who he wants. Or if he told them, go ahead and make your decision, I'm just here playing for... It depends how humble he is or, or how much he's trying to flex, how much power he has. Or I have no idea. Like, hey, I didn't like getting hit a whole bunch. Please only draft here, linemen. No, but here's the thing, though, man. If you have a true number one compared to what we had last year, because T. Higgins, unfortunately, is not that. He is a fantastic two. And Tyler Boyd is an even better slot okay, than T. So Higgins that, is as a two. So that go, that does go to say then you need to get Chase because he can make separate. I don't. I mean, he, he is going to separate My point far is, greater than you're going to get with, with a Pitts. I think I that upgrades your looking. line by, by giving them the fact that you – how much time do you have to – wait for your receiver yeah. to get separation agreed agreed and i know or, we're going to talk i know we're going to get really deep into this in a in a week right. or two weeks or so but or if you have a Kyle Pitts and that's your your safety blanket we've seen we've seen lots of teams be very successful the, with very the Chiefs, tight ends the chiefs are making a career of it right now until they got to the super bowl and then or until Travis Kelsey retires and then you don't have a Travis Kelsey because I, I think mean, Travis Kelsey is the the largest cog in that whole offense. I mean, he's yeah. always open. Yeah, always. But but then you know the the point that you're going to see brought up a lot is that Mahomes is running for his life. Doesn't matter if he's not being hit because he's on an eight yard curl to, and he can throw the Kelsey? ball while he's a half an inch off the ground and across his body with a no look pass. I've never seen a no look quarterback pass. I, I I mean it's it's wild. Uh the one thing I did want to talk about with the Bengals because obviously The Ring of I Honor? I, I I yeah, I know we keep I know we keep bringing it up and I'm going to keep plugging it that we're going to have a really good show for the preview of the draft and then an, another really good show after the draft to discuss things once everything's in place. Um but those are down the road. So you'll have to continue to come back and click on our podcast to hear those. Um, Ring of Honor was announced today. So, I love that they pulled the okie doke on Anthony Munoz. He had no idea. Really? I didn't. He, I, I just saw that. He thought he was, was a, no. He thought he was going to the stadium today to speak about his um, charity. Oh, that's dope. And he got there and found out that he was being inducted into the Ring of Honor. I mean, we've all we all knew that the Ring of Honor was coming because they posted pictures with blurry Ring of Honor in the background, and then but, <laughs> went and took them down. But, but they never it, said who they were putting in. No, it was all sleuthed out by, uh, uh, you know, Bengals Twitter. Um, but you have to figure it was going to be our lone Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, you got to. And then, so then the way they're doing the next, they're they're only going to do four to start with. Well, and Paul right. Brown got the second spot. So you got him, and then you've got 
Munoz. Or first, however you want to look at it. But. And then you've got two spots that are being voted on by suite owners and season ticket holders. Okay. I, I saw that season ticket holders that have, it's going to be one vote per account. So I don't think that is one vote per seat per account. And then it is, if you have had season tickets, say for the entirety of time that there's been season tickets, which I believe is 54 years, then you, your one vote counts for 54. Wow. Your vote counts. That's impressive. For how many years you've had season tickets. Okay. So if you were a season ticket holder today, who would you be voting for? Because I read something earlier today, and I don't think I can actually argue with this. I saw somebody who said, here's your next options. It's either going to be the Kens. You Ken Riley, Ken Anderson. It's going to be the Andersons. Ken Anderson or Willie Anderson. But either way, Ken Anderson is in, and you just have to figure out one more. And I think that's actually the best way to look at it. And I think it's... Because Willie should have been, Willie should have been a Hall of Famer too, and, and he's closest right now at this moment in time, outside of maybe Ken Anderson. If Ken Anderson get in on the, uh, and I, uh, on the on the so old, here, here, I guess, and, and then it's Katie Blackburn, right? That's her name. Yeah, um, the one Elizabeth. The one that's out here, like making appearances now lately. But I think isn't Katie Black? Katie Blackburn's involved. Yes, uh, there's but another. They, so they there's another Blackburn be, who's who's been out here. Okay, so like I guess this they haven't really said like what this ballot's going to be, right? Other than it's going to involve the top fifty Bengals of all time that was voted on. I think either by fans or by the season ticket holders, or whatever. Uh, so there's that list, but there's no coaches included in that list. And on my way home from baseball practice today, uh, I believe it was Lance McAllister was on, and a caller called in and said, who's the first coach outside of, obviously, already named, that gets put in? Is there another coach that gets put in? And how, when it comes around, how do fans treat Carson Palmer I saw he has a talk, shot? I saw people talking about Andy Dalton already today. Okay. I, I, I honestly wouldn't have a problem with him going in. Well, I think at some that point down the line, obviously right, not I, one of the first same, ones. Same thing with Carson though. I do think because I got into a little bit of a discussion with some folks in my office today um, that were, didn't think that like Chad Johnson should be in the ring of honor. Based on what? Yeah. Right? Because they, they just, they were like, oh, you know, there, there wasn't really a lot there. So. Where? I, what I did. Just, I'm just, look, they're not that smart. <laughs> when it comes to that. They're smart people. But, and I do like them. Uh, but I mean, they're cops. Are, are they, they? Yeah. Yeah. So. I pulled up Chad's stuff and then easily convinced them that they were wrong. Um, six-time Pro Bowl, four-time All-Pro, led the league in receiving yards in 2006, 
has 11,000 career receiving yards, almost all of which came here. Well, I was going to say, more importantly, how many of those stats does he lead the Bengals? As of 2019, end of the 2019 season, Chad was the reception, the all the career receptions leader in Cincinnati, seven hundred and fifty-one. And I don't believe AJ actually passed him. No. Receiving yards, ten thousand seven hundred eighty-three for his career here. One thousand four hundred forty in a season. Two hundred and sixty in one game. Career receiving touchdowns here, sixty-six yards from scrimmage career. 10,958 all-purpose yards, 10,964, 100-plus yard receiving games in his career here, 31, games with at least one touchdown score in his career, 50, and 7,000-yard receiving seasons. Now, you know he was here today, right? He's been, here, for a little, he's been here for a couple days. He tweeted out <laughs> his, his like plane itinerary, and people like went down and, and like, yeah. met him at the airport. So he's like going around town, tipping thousand dollars and doing Chad Johnson things and leaving McDonald's and Joe Burrow's locker. And so, you know, I don't care what you say about him. The dude lives and breathes Bengals football. Yes. And the city of Cincinnati, he loves it here. He loves the people here. He loves the team. And you know that everybody thinks that T Higgins is going to have to sell him his number because he's going to sign a 10 day contract to retire a Bengal. As eighty-five, retire the number. This is this is all the conspiracy theorists think that this is happening this week. T. Higgins is going to sell him his number. He's going to sign a ten-day contract as eighty-five, retire the number, and then gift it back to T. Higgins. It's dumb. This is just what I've seen on Twitter today. I would. I. I. Look, he did sign one of those receipts that he tipped like. Um. Uh, Zach Taylor said he's gonna give me a fair shot or something. I was like, I guess he could be a kicker. <laughs> we kind of need one. I still think he'd probably be better than Alex Erickson, who's gone now. I mean, uh, here's the deal: I'm, he's fun to have around. I, I, I like. You know, he's not going to actually. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying he's actually going to play. I don't think that's no, a real. I don't think. He, I, honestly, I mean, he he would. If they told him like, "Yo, like, we'll give you the league minimum. You can come play." Like, I, he probably would just because he's Chad Johnson. I mean, he sure. was looking for people to let him come over to their house to play like FIFA. He was doing that silly stuff again. He always does, which is awesome. Like, like he he lives a great life. That guy. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, he'll be in eventually, I think. Um, I think it'll probably be Ken Riley and Ken Anderson. I think that's who's going to, if I had to guess. Because you got to think about it. You got, like, all these people. I, mean, I think that's fair. To... I think Willie yeah. should, I think Willie would be okay waiting his turn for the the, the older guys. But I think Willie is probably on the, on the and, next go-round oh, along with Chad. Yeah. Um, but, then, like I said, like, is there another coach you can think of that, I think Marvin will make it. Marvin, okay. He turned the franchise around. Yeah. Do you remember the nineties? I've tried to forget about them. Yeah, I mean, it was god awful, but he turned the franchise around. We're, we're, as much as everybody wants to shit on us, 
they forget that from literally like 2000 through now, we're not at the bottom of the barrel anymore. Now, of course, as of late, it's not been great. No, but I mean, there were some growing pains, some things that needed to move along and, any transition I mean, after 15 I, years is not an easy transition. I, I will I I will also wait until I I said this before whenever I went off the when I became a Jeffimist uh a while back here a couple of shows ago. Um I will wait till after the draft see how that lands and I I mean I think next year will be be a good year. I mean, we're, you know, we're not winning a Super Bowl or anything. I don't think, but uh, I, I think we'll be competitive. And although they could have a killer draft and like and really shore up some holes, who knows? And they maybe they still have still they, pick some other people up. I, don't I was know. gonna say they just cleared four million dollars, so they got some money to spend still. And we'll see what happens on the other side of so the draft. Interesting, but there's gonna be some other people that have you know more thoughts on this than. You or I. Yep. Uh, here soon. Looking forward to that. Oh, that's going to be a good one. And the one after that's going to be good too, I think. Can't uh, wait. But, Let's wrap it up. We're at a, a, an hour 47 here so yeah. far. And so a lot to work on with <laughs> I do want to bring up one thing. I do want to do bum of the week. I'm sure you can figure out something real quick here. Um, I have a bum of the week. My bum of the week this week. It's not Yadier Molina, even though there's probably an argument there to be made. It's not Rob Manfred, even though there's definitely an argument to be made there. My bum of the week this week is Paul Pierce. What are you doing? I didn't even see what happened. I just heard he like started wiling out on Instagram or something. He and, like... did an Instagram live video while being an employee of ESPN slash Disney, where he's smoking blunts. And he's got strippers and just didn't care. Didn't care about anything. And then got fired the next day. The very next day. And so now, of course, Barstool Sports wants to sign him. Barstool Sports had a a pretty good week of uh, videos being released. About their depositions on the whole Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. Thing. Well, that that dude was definitely under consideration for a for, bum of the week. For bum of the week. Yeah, I mean, my bum of the week is a hundred percent going to uh, MLB and the umpires who, for one, Just, decided to eject Nick Castellanos, and then the whoever in the MLB office who it's going to fall squarely at the feet of one Joe Torrey and or Manfred for deciding it was okay to suspend him. Let's kids play. Also, I just want to, I don't want to even want to have a discussion on this. I just want to literally throw a grenade and leave it there. But I will say that if you're going to move the all-star game for reasons that have to do with voting, you probably shouldn't move the all-star game to a place that requires a voting ID already. I just, I don't understand. So we'll leave it there. But all that said, I think this is, I think this is it An hour and 50. I doubt many of you are still here throughout the all 
throughout the end of it. Uh, I'm sure you listened to the segments that you wanted. But uh, for those that did, thank you. Two hours of Jeff and I ranting. Uh, that's that's fine. That's enough. <laughs> There's no one to rein this in. This is a runaway train from the start. <laughs> so for Jeff, I am Aaron. And this is Pardon the Punctuation. Get your, your beard jelly from... I don't. uh, (laughs) I don't even remember. Ed's got beard jelly. There's also (laughs) Kong bongs that you can like bong beer out of after you put it in there as a koozie. Uh, Use. You can find it on (laughs) a past podcast. Um, Yeah, it would be great. Appreciate it. (laughs) For that, uh, we we love you, and we're out. (laughs) Bye.